been talking about overflow, overflow, overflow. That as God begins to fill my cup, I begin to overflow. But I want to talk about today, not just about the vessel, but I want to talk about what happens to the overflow. Really, because overflow should really not just affect our lives, but it should affect all those around us. It should affect our home. It should affect our relationships. It should affect those that are at our workplace. Because I've seen the overflow work in reverse, right? If you're overflowing with anger or depression or you're just ticked off, right? How many seen that overflow at work, right? Like, how are you today? Shut up. You know, oh. But today I want to talk about the overflow that has to do with all those around us. So if you have your Bibles with you, turn your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, we would love to give you a Bible completely free on the sides there. If you've got an iPhone, you can get that out. Download version app. Get on this thing. Check in on Facebook. Let people know you're here. And use that check-in post as your notes for today. If you have a Samsung or Android, don't even worry about it. It's going to frustrate you. And, you know, we want to be able to create a life-giving experience today. 2 Kings chapter 4. And this is what it says in verse Two. And I want, before I read this, I need to set up what's taking place in the scripture. This is 2 Kings chapter 4, and there's a, a widow. She just recently lost her husband. She has two boys. But she's, she, it's not because they were, had credit card debt, anything like that, but she had to pay off some money. And so she was in danger of losing her boys and losing everything she had. So she goes to the prophet Elisha. And Elisha, she says, Elisha, I need some help. And this is what Elisha says in verse 2. He says, How? Can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Tell me, what do you have in your house? And she says, your servant. I love how she just kind of changes, right? She's like, this meek and mild woman of God, right? Like this handsome preacher today. Your servant, your servant has nothing at all. I have nothing. What do you have in your house? Nothing there at all, she said, except. Except, have you ever solved your own problem when you speak the problem, right? You're like, I got nothing. Well, except, <laughs> except I have a small jar of olive oil. So Elisha says, I need you to go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. She goes, I have nothing at all except a small olive oil jar. Go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Don't ask for just a few. Get as much as you can. Then go inside and shut the door behind you. And your sons, pour oil into all the jars. As each jar is filled, put it to one side. So she left and did exactly what he instructed her to do. She left and she shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought jars to her and she kept pouring. So a miracle is taking place. So she was obedient. She got all the jars she could find. She's pouring it in. And as she kept pouring, they kept getting full. So when all the jars were full, she said to her sons, Bring me another one. But he replied, there's not one jar left. Raise your hand if you're a parent in this room. How many got sons or daughters, right? You're like, give that to me. And they're like, what is it? I don't see it, right? He said, get one left. He says, there's no more left. Then the oil stopped flowing. Then the oil stopped flowing. So she went, she told the man of God, and he said, go and sell the oil, pay off your debts, then you and your sons can live on what is left. How many know when God gives you the overflow, we live on what is left? Well, as we bless others, we live on what is left of the overflow. I want you to turn and tell your neighbor, tell your neighbor on this side, say, neighbor, I got nothing. 
Go ahead, a little bit louder for me, all right? Neighbor, I got nothing. Turn to your other neighbor and say, but I got something. I got nothing, but I got something. All right, that was a little junior high right there. You hear that just for a second, right? And so I got nothing, but I got something. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, God, we thank you. God, I thank you that you're God who uses nothing and turn it into something. Father, I thank you for the overflow in our lives today. Father, whether it's our first time or our first year or we've been here for the whole duration of this church, God, I begin to just claim it on everybody here today that this is the year of overflow. God, overflow in our lives, overflow in our minds, our spirits. God, overflow in relationships and begin to do a powerful work inside each and every one of us. And I pray for all the Packer fans morning today. Give them peace and joy and become a Bears fan. In Jesus' name, everybody shout it. You know, I have an eight-year-old, and his name's Levi, and a powerful Packer fan, by the way. And uh, uh, he's eight years old, and uh, what, I think just a year ago, we were on vacation. We stopped at Rancho Cucamonga, right? How many of you love Rancho Cucu? Come on. And uh, we're having uh, lunch at a, a great little burger joint. And so at lunch, we're passing by the time with a seven-year-old. And we do, we, we do a game called, I don't know if you've heard of it, I Spy. How many of you play I Spy, right? That's what happens when you're, you grew up broke, okay? And so we play I Spy. And so it was Levi's turn, it was mom's turn, it was my turn. I said, Levi, I spy with my little brown eye, I spy a number. And I gave him a number, it was like 54 or something like that. And uh, here's my number. So he's looking around and he's going, is it, is it in the restaurant? Is it outside? Is it on the menu? Give me some hints, daddy. And uh, finally I go, oh, it's right there, you didn't see it? And I mean, it's literally the largest number on the wall across the restaurant. And he goes, no, I can't see it. And now as a father, I'm thinking, uh-uh, no, you saw Tony Stark. You think it's cool to have glasses. I know what you're trying to do, boy. And, and he was like, I can't see it. You, be quiet. You can see it. You got good grades, right? You do well in school. You can see. Well, we took him to the doctor after vacation. And how many know? We're church planners. We took him to Walmart. Come on, somebody. Little Walmart eyeglass guy. And he took a test. And the doctor, you know, did drops and all that. He took drops better than his daddy does, right? I'm like, no. And he just bloop, 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 and did his testing. And the doctor looked at us and go, he's pretty blind. And we're like, what? Like, he's eight years old. Are you serious? Now, I'm hard of hearing. Someone asked me last service, are you, is that, are you really hard of hearing? I'm deaf in this year, and I wear a hearing aid in this year. And uh, so when he was born, I was like, Jesus, give him perfect hearing in the name of God, right? Like, give him perfect hearing. I forgot about his eyes. I am so sorry. I didn't pray for the overflow. What is wrong with me? God, come on. You know the desires of my heart. And so he got glasses on about a week later. And I got to tell you, I mean, he was like, he saw everything for the first time. He was like, whoop, it's a whole new world. I mean, he was, he was like, is this what TV's like? I was like, no, it's broken. You know, like. But the doctor told him, your son is nearsighted. I was like, no, 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 no. I know we're in Walmart, but he can't see far away. All right, you're wrong. But how many know it's opposite when it comes to your glasses? I mean, nearsighted means he has a hard time seeing far. He can only see what's near. I was like, come on, man. It's like you go to a doctor, break your arm. He's like, you have a good leg. I don't know. That's not the diagnosis I want. But here's the problem. I tell you that story because so many of us, sometimes we go, God, I want overflow. God, I want blessings. God, I want miracle. God wants you to heal me. But the problem is sometimes we have nearsight. We only see what's near us. 
We only see what's around us. We don't see everything that's around us. We can't see very far. You know, just on Friday, my wife and I, we had a date day. And uh, we went to the grocery store real quick because that's what you do. Come on. And we went to the grocery store, got groceries. I hate the grocery store. She's a boss at it. She's like, it's here. I'm like, who moved the fruit? You know, and I'm there for like two hours looking for, you know, something. And so we go shopping in there and I put all my groceries in the back of my car. And I was like, I want to get out of here. I want to go to lunch. I am hungry, getting a little hangry. And so we got in the car and I got the little backup camera. And, uh, as I, and I back up. It didn't go beep, 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 right? So I thought it was good, okay? Don't judge your pastor right now. And so I, as I backed up, all of a sudden I, heard, I saw a car, and there was a car right there. Like I backed up, and she, and she was so mad. You know what Pastor Lindsay did in the pastor's seat? She went, oh, she mad. I was like, like what's wrong with you, right? She's like, whoop, 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 you know what I mean? Like, like no, don't get her all excited. And, and so I back, and I was like, oh, no. So I, I back all the way up. I roll my window down. I pull right up next to her, and I go, it was a smile on my face. I am so sorry. And she saw my face. She went from angry to, oh, it's okay, dummy. You know what I mean? Like, it's okay. But the problem is, how many, have, you, have you ever been in a traffic jam where you're trying to get into the line and you're like, hey, hey, let me, let me in, let me in. And the person who's supposed to let you in don't even look at you. They're like, I don't know. I see, I see nothing. But the moment you connect eyes, it's not just another car. It becomes another person. Same thing with that lady that I totally cut off. I wanted to give her my spot. I'm a generous man of God. She didn't know the blessing she needed. And, but she was upset. All she saw was a car with a church bumper sticker on the back of it. Thank you, Jesus. I'm trying to be a better witness. Come on. But the moment she saw a face, she saw a person. But sometimes, church, when it comes to overflow, when it even comes to our daily walking around Christian life, we don't see others around us. We have near sight. Bible says in Proverbs chapter 29, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But they attend to what he reveals, then you're most blessed. So I got three quick points today, according to 2 Kings chapter 4. That God, what do I do with the overflow? God, I'm in need, but how do I still make a difference? God, I'm in need, but how do I still make a difference? God, I have nothing, so tell me I have something. So write this down, number one, if you're taking notes. Number one is, I want to ask you today, is what do you have, and what are you supposed to do with it? What do you have, and what are you supposed to do with it? I love what the prophets like, tell me what's in your house. See, in the Bible, a woman, all she had was one jar of a little bit of olive oil. In the Bible, disciples fed 5,000 people, and all they had was two loaves and some fish. The, the, uh, all throughout the disciples, uh, disciples had two loaves and five fish. Moses, he had a staff. God loves to take nothing and make something out of it. And I love how the prophet said, tell me what is in your home. She goes, I have nothing there except this one little thing. You know, as a pastor, I hear this all the time. And as I begin to pray this week, I've said, God, tell me what's in the house. Because so many times organizations and businesses and corporations and even churches, they look on the outside. Where's the all-star? Where's that perfect employee? Where's that person I can grab and bring to the house and make everything better? I'm here to tell you the all-star's not there. The all-star's sitting here. Gifts are in the house. There are gifts in this place. There are gifts in your house. But the problem is walking around saying, I have nothing. 
I have nothing except I have something. So you are supposed to do something with what you have. So what do you have today? But here's the problem. We, we look at the little that we have and we ignore it because we're too busy coveting what they have. Social media, comparison, I want what they, I mean, can you imagine having a conversation with God? God, I want, I want what they got. And God said they paid a lot to get what they got. There's a lot of pain associated. There's a testimony. There's a story. But guess what? What you got is so much more powerful. That there's a gift in the house. That you can still make a difference. There are people that say I have nothing at all. Except you dismiss the gift because you're lusting after somebody else's. Yeah, I hear it all the time, and I just want to hear my heart. I love people. The reason why I can be a little frustrated is because my wife and I, we're maximizers. We can see the gold inside of people. We can see greatness inside of people. And I hear it all the time. I hear it in growth track. I hear it at our church. I hear it at one-on-one coffee where I hear people say, I have not, I am good at nothing. I have no gifts except I can sing, right? And you're like, what? Right? And they're like, I just, I, I'm good at nothing except, except I'm nice to people. Well, are you serious? You know what kind of gold you are? If you're nice to people, you're a dream come true. I've had people all the time say, I'm, I have nothing except the small gift. Right? I've had people say, I've not, I've, I'm good at nothing, but I can kind of sing. Like, like I break every chain. You're like, what the heck? Are you serious? Yeah, but I don't sing like blah, 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 blah. You know, I, I don't have any gift. I'm not good at anything, but I just really like people. Do you know I really need you on my team? Come on, somebody. The A team, we love God. We love people. We pursue excellence. We choose joy. You know what kind of powerhouse you'd be or cultural carrier you would be if you step in your workplace on Monday and you're like, taste and see the Lord is good. How are you today? You would change the culture. You would change. You know, have you, have you realized everything's awesome and no one's happy? Now we got to say, you know what? I have something. I am so glad that in the midst of, when I was a young person, in the midst of parents' divorce, in the midst of going back and forth to houses, in the midst of heartache, and, and just, it's, it's a long story. I'm so glad I had a youth pastor that said, I see an empty vessel. I see Jeremy, he's got nothing. I mean, I mean, like, like he can't even hear all the way. He's, 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 he has nothing minus something, all right? Like, like, like he doesn't even have all his hearing. But he said, you know what? I think he has a call of God in his life. So we poured so little bit that he had into what I had. And now as I became a youth pastor, I began to pour into many different vessels. And now that we're youth or now that we're lead pastors, we're pouring it to adults and families and generations to come. Why? Because you gotta take nothing and make it something for God's praise and God's glory. Listen to me, somebody, you're a 10 in some area, we're gonna find out what it is. You're a 10 somewhere. And sometimes we ignore our 10 because it's not their 10. I'm saying your 10 is amazing. Your 10 is powerful. Your 10 is the overflow of God in your life. I'm preaching good this morning. But listen to me. Overflow isn't give me what I need. It's use what you have. Overflow isn't give me what I need. God, I need, I need, I need, I need. God provides. God meets all your needs. God knows exactly what you need. Overflow isn't give me what I need. It's, you know, I'm going to use what I have. I'm going to use what I have. And watch God multiply it.
He doesn't add. He loves to multiply. He's a multiplier. God gives us the overflow so that it flows through us. And I am, I am convinced that overflow, it isn't for us. Now, hear me out. We get to enjoy it, but as long as we use it for God's praise and God's glory. 1 Timothy chapter 6, 17 through 19 says, Command those who are rich in this present world. Command those who are rich in this present world. Now, rich there means it doesn't mean I make a rain and I'm loaded financially. Rich means I, have a, I, I am able to make an impact in the kingdom of heaven. I am rich. I am overflowing. But don't be arrogant nor put their hope in your wealth or in your gift, which is so uncertain. But put your hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Hear me out. If you're on the legacy team, you get to enjoy it, but also you get to use it. If you have a gift, you get to enjoy it, but then you get to use it. But it says that command them to do good, be rich in good deeds. Be generous and be willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves in, in heaven as a firm foundation for the coming of age so that they may take hold of life that is truly life. You know, for example, we're going to drive up to the Dream Center. We're going to demo the place. We're going to tear up carpet and maybe tear down walls. I might tear down walls that we're not supposed to tear down because I like demo. You know, we're going to spend the night. We're, and you don't have to spend the night. You can drive back home. The next day, we're going to lay new carpet, paint new walls. We're going to do interior design, new furniture, new bedding. We're going to make it what, I mean, we're going to make a rehab center look like a home for these women, for these men. But I'm here to tell you, we're going to be exhausted physically. We're going to drive home Saturday night. Your boy's going to get up here on Sunday. I'll be exhausted physically. We will be tired physically, but we'll be so full spiritually. That's what it is. That is life. And you lay your head on your pillow on Saturday night, and you say, now that's how you live a day. Now that's how I make a difference. There's a fulfillment that happens to take place. But we got to put our hope in God. But we got to do good. We gotta put our hope in God and we gotta do good. You know, just a real quick story. My wife and I, we went to a, um, a sushi place and, and we love sushi, so we sat down and we were ordering sushi, eating sushi, and they know us there. And uh, we saw two military guys. And so my wife told the waiter, she asked me, Is it okay? I was like, Babe, you do you, come on, somebody. And she said, Can we pay for their meal? I just want, and, and, and don't tell them that we pay for it, just say, Thank you for your service. Now, I'm not telling you that to toot our horn and say we're awesome, yeah, yeah. I'm telling you that because sometimes when we talk about doing good, we think it has to be grandiose. We think it has to be this powerful thing. You know what? I was walking on the road and Jesus spoke to me and told me to tell somebody this. And when I told them this, they gave their life to Jesus right there in that spot. And then they gave birth to children and their children became evangelists and preachers and teachers. It was amazing. It was powerful all in one week. And you're like, calm down. All we had to do was a random act of kindness. And did good. Afterwards, the waiter tattled on us. I ain't going back there again. And he said, hey, they did it. And so these two military gentlemen said, hey, thank you for buying us lunch. I said, no, thank you for your service. Thank you for serving our country. And they were like, well, if we shook hands and all that, and they left. And afterwards, I told my wife, I feel good. Not because we did our good deed, but because we did a small deed. We were able just to make an impact, put a smile on somebody's face. And after that, I said, who else can we do? What else can we do? You know, like, let's find more people's meals to buy. Because once you start making a difference, you can't stop. It keeps, keeps overflowing. Keeps overflowing. So what do you have? What do you have? But number two is who's around you? 
And what do they need? Because sometimes we're so nearsighted, we don't see the need all around us. I've been guilty of this as well. God, I need, I need, I need. And God will say, look all around you. There are people all beside you and around you that are hurting and they need some purpose. You know, so Elisha tells the, the widow, go around and ask your neighbors for empty jars. And she said, prophet, all I have is one jar. And in the small jar, I just got a little bit of olive oil. It's all I have. So the prophet says, go to your neighbors. Now, theologians truly believe that when she went to her neighbors, she was already in community. So it wasn't like, hey, um, I'm, I'm right here. I live in this house. It's not like Vegas, right? You're like, hey, I've been here 10 years. I don't even know you, right? <laughs> I mean, on Vegas, when you pull in your driveway, you shut the garage door before you even get out of your car, right? You're like, hey. I like the pastor, Jeremy's like, can I witness to you? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but theologians believe she already was in community. So she went to different neighbors, and when she asked them, sure, it was, a, it was a humble thing to do, but it was still a normal thing to do. So she said, can I borrow a, a, a pot of jar? Thank you so much. All right. And so she took one pot of jar. Okay, good. I have, I have one jar. Uh, uh, can I borrow a jar? Dan, is that yours? Man, that is nice. That is a nice jar. I'm going to bring this back, bro. Okay, I got you. All right, I owe you. And so I got a, another jar. You know what? This is a great picture of this. You know what? I only have that little thing, but I need some more things because I'm in a season right now where I need the overflow. Can I borrow? Do you have any jar? All right. Can I borrow a jar? Does anyone else have a jar? And this is a, oh, yeah, can I borrow that? Thank you so much. Did she call you? Uh, that's gossiping. <laughs> I'm telling you. But you know what this represents? Community. That's why small groups are so important. Somebody else has a jar over there. <laughs> <laughs> It represents community. It represents, you know what? I'm a little dry right now. Theologians believe that she had a relationship with her neighbors to say, boys, let's go, let's go ask some empty vessels. But also the second thing it also represents is that the Bible says that we are, we are like jars of clay. That, we, that every empty jar also represents us. And for me, when I look all out in the auditorium or I look all out in the city of Las Vegas, all I see sometimes are empty jars. Can I, can I borrow this real quick? I, oh, thank you. My, thank you. Can I borrow some more jars? And, I, and every, to me, every empty vessel represents a name. Maybe it's that coworker. Maybe they just drive you crazy. You're like, you're a crack jar. Something's wrong with you. You're messed up. But I, you know what I've learned time and time again? Is that they're empty. No fulfillment. No joy. They didn't realize that their design reveals their destiny. They feel like they're an oops or an accident. I have nothing to live for. I don't have any joy in my life. I begin to realize, you know what, they're just not, they're not jerks. They're just hurting people. And hurting people hurt people. And so she began to ask around, can I, you have a jar? Because what I love about her analogy, can I have that? Is that okay? Can I have it? Is that all right? I mean, it's nice. But all right. And so, so she took all these empty jars. And I think this is such a picture of the gospel that Jesus didn't come to be served. He came to serve. And so she took all the little that she had. And she says, I got nothing except I got something. And all of a sudden the prophet began to fill every jar that she had until she ran out. There are people in our lives that need to be filled. The same way we were once filled.
the same way we were once filled. You know, I was a youth pastor many, many, many years ago. And uh, I had, I mean, I'm, I'm so thrilled. I see former students on my front row, former students that are attending our church, serving at our A team. Like, I didn't mess them up. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. But I had some EGR kids in my youth group. And you know what EGR means? Extra grace required. Jesus' name. I tell you what. Extra grace required. What does that mean? There's kids, I mean, they just kept, they would do stuff just to get under my skin. They, I mean, I'd be preaching, and they'd be messing with other kids. I, there's this one particular student. I would have him in my office almost weekly, and it came to a point where, I mean, at first it was like, okay, uh, let's, let's talk, and we would have a conversation. Then it ended up being like, why? Why did you do that? Why? On the retreats, plug the toilet, trash the rooms, you know, like cuss and swear out other leaders. I mean, it was just, and I would sit down and go, why? You know what I mean? Like, I, you know, and if I kick you out, you got nowhere else to go. You need Jesus, so you need to stay here. But why? I began to ask why until I got into his life. One day I finally said, you know, I need to meet your parents. Where are your parents at? And this was on the east side of town where they just dropped off or kids came from the highways and the byways, and they showed up. I said, I need to meet with your parents, all right? I, I mean, I'm east side, all right? I know how to stab and twist. Don't let this uh, no socks fool you. Coming for you. I got my Jordans in the car. I'm kidding. Vans. I said, where's your dad at? He goes, oh, my dad left when I was a kid. He walked out on my mom and I. I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, why? Where's your dad? He left his mom. I was like, oh, okay. Where's your mom? I need to meet with your mom. My mom's out with another man. I don't even know where she's at. But does she know where you're at? No, she doesn't care where I'm at. How'd you get here? I walked. Where you live? That's like 10 blocks. This is east side. It's nighttime. I'm taking you home, fool. You know what I mean? Like, but the more I began to get close, the more I began to see differently. I say, man, I got nothing, but I got something. But I need to see who's around me and what do they really need. What do they really need? There are people all around us that are empty, broken. And we got to know their story. Church, I'm here to tell you, it's not about preference. It's about matter of life and death. It's a matter about their destiny. What God can do in them and through them. I want people to get to heaven, but can it be heaven on earth as well? So they can know God, so they can find freedom from their past, find freedom from mom and dad and all that. Where they're thinking, I'm an oops, I'm an accident. God said, no, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. I got a plan for your life. You were made on purpose and for purpose. Don't you dare speak that way. Don't you dare talk down to the masterpiece I created. I'm preaching good today because it's true. You begin to see People differently. And number three is see where we are and what we need to do. My prayer is today, all the shouting and the craziness with the props. We've had props for three weeks in a row. Come on. We're crushing it. But here's what I love. I want you today to say, God, I see. I see the little gift I got. I see the impact I can make. I now see who's around me. I don't have near sight of vision, I have far sight of vision. I can see the hurt, I can see the pain. I can see the reason why someone's in my life and they drive me crazy is because I'm supposed to minister to them. I'm supposed to connect before I even try to correct. 
in their life. But see where they are and what they need to do. I can't use this last point until using John chapter 4, where Jesus, he's with us, his disciples. See, 2 Kings chapter 4 is an Old Testament story, and I want to use a New Testament story. Where Jesus, he's with his disciples, and they're traveling. He says, I need to go to Samaria. Now, Samaria is a place you just did not go. You stay out of Samaria. Samaria was trouble. He says, I got to go to Samaria. I got to go to Samaria at noon at the hottest point of the day. That's in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's 120. He goes, I need to go to the well. So when they get to the well, there's a woman there. And the disciple says, Jesus, you good? We're hungry. We're going to go get some food in town. Jesus said, go ahead, go get some food. And so Jesus is with this woman. And the woman says, would you? And Jesus goes to the woman and he says, hey, will you give me something to drink? And she goes, if you knew who I am, you're a, I'm a Samaritan man. You're, you're a Jew and you're a man. You can't be talking to me. And Jesus said, man, if you knew who you were talking to, you wouldn't be asking me for water. You'd be asking me for living water, the water that never runs out, the water that keeps pouring and pouring and pouring. And she goes, who are you? Could this be the Messiah? And Jesus said, and she goes, let me go get my husband. And Jesus said, hey, I love you, but I, I know you. I know your story. Jesus said, the man you're with is not your husband. You've actually had four husbands. The, the, uh, you've had five husbands, and the sixth guy you're with is not your husband. But guess what? I'm the seventh man in your life. I'm the number of completion. And so she's like, what in the world? So she goes into the city. And this is what in John chapter 4, verse 27 says, Then his disciples returned. They just went and had lunch. And they were surprised to find him talking to a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking to her? No one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking to her? They didn't want to get involved. They didn't want to have hands on. They decided to have nearsighted vision. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to town and said to the people, come See a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Could this be the one we're expecting? Could this be the one that we've all been waiting for? And I want you to read this right here. And they came out of the town and made their way towards them. You know what they is? It's the entire city. I want you to paint a picture of the entire city coming out to see Jesus. And here's the disciples. I'd be in awe. I would be like, no way. Look at all these people coming. Look at all these empty vessels. And this is what the disciples said. Jesus, eat something. They don't even see the harvest. And they said, Jesus, eat something. Jesus said to him, I have food to eat you know nothing about. And the disciples went, I love this. This is hilarious to me. Then his disciples said to each other, did someone bring him food? Did, did, someone, did someone eat him? Like they're hangry disciples. I love these guys, right? They're like, woman at the well. There's a ministry opportunity at the well. Cool. We'll get some lunch and then we'll come back. And then did you eat something? And Jesus is like, the harvest is coming. You eat something? I knew the food I have you don't know about. Did someone feed him? Where did he get food? Like we went all that way to get food and he's got food. What's going on with the food? And Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. Jesus said, I get fulfillment and making a difference. My food is to do the will of the one who sent me and to finish his work, which is the cross. Don't you have a saying, it's four months until harvest? But I tell you, open your eyes. Open your eyes. Look at the fields. They are ripe for the harvest. Here's my challenge today, church, because we have such a harvest in Vegas. I don't want to, we didn't start this church just to reach a community. 
We started this church to reach a city. I love that it's called Sin City as a stereotype because when sin abounds, grace abounds much more. I love my city. I love this city. I want to see God do such a work, but there's such a harvest. So here's my challenge for you today. I want to be transparent too. I told our worship team, here's the worship team cue. When you guys come up on the stage, I said that on Thursday or Wednesday or Thursday, I said the cue is ask for more. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. But as I began to write on this last point, I said, no, that's not what God wants. Don't ask God for more. I want you to ask God to use what I have. Use what I have. God, I got nothing. Except I got something. I got nothing. But I got something. Are we praying prayers that exclude us from the miracle or include us in the miracle? Disciples are going, yes, Lord, send the harvest, but, but send lunch too. Are we praying prayers that are safe or prayers full of faith? What kind of prayers are we praying? Why don't you ask God, use what I have. Use what I have. And just for time's sake, I'm going to jump to my very last point. So I love that she had jars. She had one with a little bit of olive oil in it. And she began to pour into all the other jars. And this is what she told her boys. She said, boys, it's working. Guys, it's flower flowing. This is full. This is falling. And she's making a rain. It's been amazing. And she tells her son, guys, do we have any more jars left? And they go, no. No more jars. Does anyone else have a jar out there? Is there any more jars? Did I miss any? Come on. Get, get, I need my jars back. Look at this. There's no more jars, Mom. Go ahead. Throw it. Throw it. Ready? Ready? Throw it. Yeah, yeah. Don't throw it. You go, yeah. Anyone else? Anyone else have a jar? Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else have a jar? Any more jars? See someone over there? Don't be bashful. Ellie, I'm coming. All right? You're making me run. I run every morning down the hall. Thank you so much. <laughs> Anyone else have a jar? Here's what I love about these jars, that the more jars that I have, the more oil that I have to give. But here's the problem, church. Oh, thank you so much. Give it up for Ellie. Thank Do you have any more? Do you have any more? Okay, that was two. You good? All right, thank you, Ellie, so much. Listen to me, church. Her voice said, Mom, there's no more left. When she ran out of jars, the oil stopped flowing. You know, if I was her boys, can I be real with you? If I was her boys, I'd be like, give me a second. I'm going to go to Walmart on North Vegas. I'm going to go to Walmart on East Side. I'm going to go to Boulder City Walmart. I'm going to Star Nursery. I'm going to find me some jars. I'm going to be like a dude on 7-Eleven Day. I'm going to find trash cans. I'm going to find anything I can to fill the jars. Listen to me, church. As long as there are empty vessels, we will continue to make a difference. As long as there's empty vessels in our city, in our country, in our nation, we're going to go to Panama City. We're going to go across the world. Today, 15 churches are launching because of your generosity. Why empty jars? As long as there's empty jars, we're never going to stop doing what we're doing. We're going to make a difference. We're going to make an eternal difference. You know, I already told you how good of a driver I was. And uh, I love my wife so much, but I was at a stoplight, and sometimes I, I have ADD a little bit. So I'll look down maybe at my phone. I don't pick it up. I don't touch my phone. I'll talk to my wife. And she's got this amazing ability 
Gentlemen, help me out here. She's got this amazing ability to know when the light turns green. Right? I mean, I'm like, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, green light. I'm like, what in the world? Okay. I mean, she's like, she's fast. She's, she's, a pop, she's my interpreter, my translator. She's, my, she's, my, she's, she's everything to me. But the moment I'm ready, it's like red, and it goes green. She's like, green light. I'm like, I know. I'm looking right at it. Have you ever been somebody, behind somebody who, when the light turns green, they don't go? Anybody in here? Or are you all Christians in here, right? And some of you, you're like, right? like, 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 that's your spiritual gift, this honking. <laughs> now, me, I'm hard of hearing, so I'm like, you might as well honk. I need a bumper sticker that says, don't bother honking, I'm deaf. <laughs> Pray the Lord, don't laugh. Now, when somebody does that for me, I just kind of go, boop. Because I'm from the Midwest, all right? That's like cussing somebody out. All right, if you're like, boop, <laughs> praise the Lord, move, you know, go. Can I be honest with you today? Can I be your pastor today? Can I share with you with all my heart? Because this is all I see. I see empty jars. There's empty jars all around us. In our workplace, in our city. But I'm here to tell you, the light's green. The light's green. And I know the enemy's going to try to say what he can. To distract, to discourage, to pull you down, to stop you. But God's saying there's a green light. The light's green. And as your pastor today, I just kind of want to go, boop, boop. Why don't you lead a group? Why don't you join a small group? Why don't you get into growth track? Step one's next Sunday, not today. So I'm giving you a week's head notice. Good pastor, right? Good pastor. Use what you got. Bring people, invite people. I'm saying the light's green. The light's green. And I'm so honored because once upon a time in my life, I needed the green light. I need somebody in my pastor's seat to say, light's green. You got this. It's time. Let's, let's make a difference. Because as long as there's empty vessels, we're still going to make a difference. We're still going to make a difference. Will you stand with me, please? I'm going to pray. Close this thing out. Lorenzo, come on. We almost did it. But Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you. God, I thank you that we have an opportunity to make an impact in this city and in this world that we live in. Father, I thank you today for a great reminder that all of us, we have something. We have something to be used for God's praise and God's glory. And Father, I pray in Jesus' name, if you're here today, and you walked in this room, this invitation, this next step, this green light is for you. Not necessarily join our church, get on a team, group it, none of that right now. But maybe you're here today and you say, I need the green light to accept Jesus into my life, to accept Jesus into my heart. With every head bowed, if I close, I'm not going to single you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to pray for you. I would love that honor today to be the guy that just went boop. But you went on a powerful journey, amazing faith journey of hope and healing, knowing God and finding freedom. 
If that's you today, you say, Pastor, will you pray a, a prayer with me? Will you lead me in that prayer? I won't embarrass you, but every head bowed, if I close, put a hand up, put it right back down. I want to know who I'm praying for today. Anyone else? Up, right back down. Yes. Anyone else? Yes. Anyone else? Up, right back down. That's all I'm going to do today because every hand is a name. Yes. Every name is a story, and every story is going to make an impact for God's praise and God's glory. So everyone pray this prayer out loud. Say, Dear Jesus, say thank you for dying on the cross for me. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for paying for what I did. So today, I receive your forgiveness. Say, be Lord of my life. Say, be number one. Say, the best way I know how, I'm going to live for you. Say, I now know who I am. I'm saved. I'm redeemed. I'm a child of God. Come on, everybody, give God a shout of praise today. Come on.